Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. And if you are new here, please uh, go ahead and subscribe so that you do not miss any future episodes. And uh, you can also follow along and join the chat over there on Facebook at Let It Grow Investing. Uh, so uh, it's about to noon on Sunday as I'm recording this, and we're really trying to um, really wind down the year, really see what we've done, how we've performed. Uh, really take a look at our investing challenge, see how that is performing compared to the S&P, and really trying to make heads or tails of how we have performed over the course of the year. And I think in a lot of cases, a lot of people will beat themselves up in a down year. And I'm really here to let you know that there are a lot of smarter money managers, that this is their full-time job, that are losing big time this year. It's not just you. It's not just me. Uh, we've made some good moves. We've made some uh, some questionable moves, but uh, I think those questionable moves will rebound, and I think that is right what is going on with the money managers also. Uh, so I did a little bit of a little bit of homework here, and I wanted to look at some large money managers, their positions, and really what uh, what mistakes they've made or where their uh, investments have really been this year. So first up, I looked at uh, I looked at Charlie Munger, you know Warren Buffett's uh, counterpart in Berkshire, and his largest holding is Bank of America. Now, for the duration of the year, I kind of told you that uh, banks should be outperforming, and um, there was some, somewhat of, of a caveat to that that if they had international lending, if they were exposed to some of the credit risk in uh, Europe, Russia, and they had money abroad. It might be a little bit uh, tougher for them. The local regional banks is kind of what I've been pushing. Now, Bank of America, uh, he owns about $70 million worth of Bank of America stock. Now, that is down 30% this year. And I'll remind you that he's been doing this for, I don't know, 50, 60 plus years at this point and is one of the highly acclaimed value investors that is supposed to be able to buy these stocks low, hold on to them reap the dividend payments, and ultimately make more money going forward off of those dividends. Now, I'm not just going to say that he is down on this investment. I will say that he is down this year. He may have purchased lower and it may have accumulated still, but um, I don't know that he's rushing to the exit on this position. He's uh, been riding this one out. And ultimately, I think that's probably a good thing to do going forward. Um, I can go ahead and pull up some different analyst expectations on Bank of America stock. And we can see what that one is looking like for uh, 2023 and beyond. Uh, currently, we've got a PE of about 10.2, quarterly dividend about 2.7%. Uh, beta is a one. EPS looks good at $3.16 per share at a uh, stock price of 32.38. And there is about 24% of upside baked into this from 14 different analysts. Uh, so, I think that this one is still safe. Um, now, on the flip side of that, he is also holding Alibaba, which is the the Chinese tech stock that uh, has been a roller coaster. 
And now when I'm looking at Alibaba, yes, it had a great week. A lot of the Chinese tech stocks had a great week. But that does not go without saying that um, the, the last year has been a roller coaster for them as well. They are down about 24% over the last uh, year. And, you know, it's really been a, a rocky roller coaster from them from a, a little further back. So if we zoom back out um, to late 21, October or October of 20, we were at $309 a share. So it is currently now $91 a share. So that is a large haircut from that time frame to where we are now. Um, so he did go ahead and trim about half of that position earlier this year from 600,000 shares to 300,000 shares. So definitely uh, wanted to cut his losses there and uh, reinvest that money elsewhere. So I just wanted to kind of highlight some of these different people that what they're doing and how they are trying to ride this roller coaster of what this market has been throwing at us. Uh, number two, Warren Buffett. Number one, uh, holding is Apple. And uh, he owns about $131.6 billion of Apple. And it is down 21.89% year to date. So now do we think that Apple is going to go to zero? No, I do not. Uh, I, I can't think that anyone thinks that right now. They've got more cash on hand than they know what to do with for a lot of different things. And uh, there is about 27% of upside on Apple stock right now. Um, could it get worse during a recession? Sure. But uh, do I think it'll still move up higher and get back up to some of those those all-time highs that we've seen earlier, probably last year at this point? Yes, I do. I think it will be a uh, you know, short time before this one's hitting 200 and, and moving up higher and higher. Uh, so again, Buffett still has a uh, another stock. His main holding is down under what the S&P has returned for this year. So does that mean he's a bad investor? No, just a rough market for Apple and other tech stocks right now. And this one, his number one holding is under that average of the S&P for that duration. Now, zoom out. If you bought this one 10 years ago, I'm sure he's had this one for quite some time. He's still doing well on it. It's just been a rough year for him in this one name. Moving forward, uh, Kathy Wood of ARK Invest, her uh, largest holding. And if I'm looking at this right, I had to check this a couple times because I thought it was Tesla. It's been Tesla for a couple years. It's looking like her largest holding is Zoom Video. Uh, some of that's probably to do with the fact that she has sold off uh, a good amount of Tesla stock. And Tesla stock has dropped significantly over the course of the year. Uh, that being said, it is down about 55% this year. Uh, and you look at Zoom Video, down 61% this year. Now, everyone uh, thought Kathy Wood was the smartest woman in the world when uh, 2020 hit and the pandemic happened, and she was in all the right stocks at exactly the right time. But now it's looking like, you know, maybe that isn't the right play. But uh, I think, again, it's just a matter of a massive run up in 2020 leads to some older sold, oversold conditions in 2022. Is that going to be the end of uh, both of these stocks? No, I don't think so. Again, just really depends on your vision for these names. Uh, number four, Bill Ackman. Uh, his number one holding, Lowe's. And even a company like Lowe's that has been doing you know, pretty well over the course of the pandemic and really, yes, they've had some supply chain problems. 
But uh, overall, they have done fairly well throughout that time. Now, when I'm looking at that one year to date, and I'm just uh, looking around on Google Finance. So if you want to look, it's it's pretty easy to find on there. Lowe's is down from a price of around 260 to start the year down to 201 uh, 77 right now. So this one's down about 21% over that year-to-date period. Uh, George Soros, that's number five. That's the uh, uh, the final one I've got here for you. So I won't bore you with all these details. But um, number five on George Soros, his largest holding is Rivian, about half a billion dollars worth of Rivian stock. And that's that EV company. We've talked about them a good bit. But uh, he is down 73% this year on Rivian stock. So if you look at all these money managers that uh, they do this professionally, they are all losing to the S&P 500 year to date. I'm not saying that these names have not done better for them over the course of time, but I think it's really easy to see yourself as underperforming the market when uh, things are rough. But I wanted to point out that even these large money managers are underperforming the S&P 500 in that given uh, point of time. Uh, so I wanted to, and I don't know if I can pull it up on on Google here, not that easily. But um, so basically the, the S&P 500 is down. Uh, I'll, I'll take a look at that number real quick. Where are we down here? Uh, year to date, S&P 500, we are down about 17.97%. And that is definitely a rough one to uh, to hold as well. But you're still safer in an S&P or an ETF that doesn't have single stock exposure when things are uh, are going down. You, you're definitely going to have some outliers to the, the negative that are going to be more than that average. That's obviously what's going to pull these uh, averages way down further is the fact that some of them are going to drop even heavier. Uh, now, when I'm looking over at our Webull portfolio... And thank you guys for uh, sticking around for the duration of the year and voting up on the Let It Grow Investing page for those uh, those five stocks that we post every week. And I'm looking at us and seeing where we have been over the course of the year, and we are down 10.68%. Now, um, when I compare that to last year, it's definitely rough. When I compare it to the S&P 500 being down 18% this year, I feel a bit better. And then when I look at these money managers that are down 30, 40, 50, even up to 70% on some of their largest names, uh, I feel a good bit better about what we've done in this investing challenge. So thank you very much for following along. Uh, I do think that this has been a, a learning experience for a lot of people and ultimately one that uh, I'm happy that we stuck with it. And we'll have this money saved in this uh, this account for going forward. Now, some people said, well, if I just would have stayed in cash, I would have been safer. You know, we, we lost money in this account. Well, you're also fighting uh, inflation. So if inflation is 7%, 8%, you're still down on that money as well. And I think that this uh, investment account is going to be a much better way going forward to earn that money back or uh, ride some of the flows in the market to new highs. And uh, yeah, we might get a recession in 2023, but ultimately, uh, I still think that is a time to buy some of these beaten down names that you really have high conviction in going forward. So whether it's Bank of America, Tesla, Alibaba, Zoom, Lowe's, Rivian, or any other stock that you 
have a high conviction in. I really feel strongly that uh, it is going to be a good time to buy as things get to those lows, as more bad news comes out. And uh, ultimately, we can set ourselves up for some larger uh, gains going forward. Now, we do have a CPI coming out Tuesday. And I think this is going to be a major, major movement in the market, uh, whether the CPI comes in heavy or it comes in light. I think if uh, those numbers do come in light and the inflation is not as high as uh, what they are expecting, we're really going to see a rally here. And I think that is going to be because uh, that is going to signal that uh, what the Fed has been doing has been working. Ultimately, those inflation numbers are cooling down from some of the Fed uh, funds rate raises that they have done. And it should show that we will continue to get uh, a little bit of a lighter stance on uh, further fund Fed rate uh, increases. So that's kind of my thought there. If it comes in heavy, uh, I think the Fed's going to have to reevaluate and the, the tone in the market is going to be completely different. And it could be more of uh, some downward uh, trends going forward. But uh, if we do get a light read, I think that 50 basis point is going to stick. We're going to maybe see those uh, those smaller increases going forward until the Fed gets the rate where they want to keep it and hopefully can keep it there for uh, a long enough time to get that inflation down to that 2% goal that they really have in mind. So all different things that I think we need to really address as investors, you know, what, uh, how we're doing compared to some others and really where we're going to be going, going forward. I, I understand, you know, your money, um, means more to you than, uh, these different fund managers and you really want to see your money growing. But, uh, I think if we zoom out far enough, we'll understand that, if you were buying Apple when it was, uh, you know, pre-split and it was at eighty dollars, you're feeling pretty good about it right now. But if you bought it at the beginning of this year, you've got a little bit different of a tone. So it really just depends on how long you've been holding these names, and uh, ultimately what your plans are. Excuse me, long term going forward with these names, and what you're going to do with them. So all of these, uh, minus Zoom and Rivian would be long-term holds for me. And I've, I've had Alibaba for a long time and that one's been painful for me as well. So um, I'm still holding that one. And at this point, I'm just going to ride the wave on that. Uh, I really don't see a reason to get rid of it at this point. And uh, Bank of America, I don't own, but uh, I did own it and uh, it did okay. It, uh, it made some money for me and I got out of that one. Tesla, you know, I'm definitely down a, a bit on it right now, but uh, I still bought that one a few years ago before some of the big run up. And uh, Lowe's, Home Depot, still uh, a long-term holder and believer in those names. Rivian, uh, if you're into that EV market and you really think that is going to be the future, uh, I think that could be, uh, that one's definitely a bit riskier. I, I, I really want to look into their financials before I go in even talk about recommending Rivian to buy right now. But uh, yeah, with that being said, um, you do have options, right? So if some of these are really underperforming for you, you can do what is called tax loss harvesting. And that's basically a process where you can sell out of some of your underperforming names to write down your, uh, your taxable capital gains and potentially offset up to about $3,000 of your ordinary income. Uh, you can take that money and reinvest into a different security that meets your investment needs and your asset allocation strategy. So you can't go ahead and sell out of it, buy back the same name, 
uh, there's some type of wash rule or and that's not a wash rule, some type of rule that says that you cannot purchase that same stock uh, at a discount with that same money that you sold out of uh, that original company and write that off. So if you were to sell out of Tesla and buy into Rivian, uh, you should be able to do that. But uh, you can't sell Tesla, claim the loss of up to $3,000 and then buy more Tesla. Uh, it wouldn't work like that. So you do need to talk to a financial expert on something like that. That's not me. I just wanted to point out for the end of the year that it is an option to go ahead and really use uh, some different money strategies to uh, really cut down your taxable income. So if you had uh, a good year on some other stocks, you might want to think about uh, selling off some of these losers to really write down your taxable income. So that's what I got there. That's what I uh, had to say about some of these uh, these other stocks that are losing for money managers. And really want you to know that uh, if you're in these high conviction names and you really feel strongly about them, I wouldn't rush and panic sell them just because they're down 20 or 30% right now. It's probably a little too little too late. And you might want to really just keep a tighter eye on them going forward. So with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some more news and uh, the investing challenge for, what are we on, week 50? Are we uh, we already there? No, we're on 51. We're going to talk about the results of week 50. We're going to vote on 51 and uh, go forward for the rest of the year. So stick around. I'll be right back. All right, back to the podcast here. So if you uh, have not yet subscribed, please do so. If you have subscribed, uh, I greatly appreciate that. If you want to help uh, support the podcast, you can do that over there at anchor.fm slash let it grow, where you can contribute to the podcast for as little as 99 cents a month. And I would definitely appreciate that as well. But uh, yeah, so we're looking at week 50 on our Let It Grow Investing Challenge, where I have been putting uh, $200 a week in for now 50 weeks. So tomorrow marks uh, 50 episodes that I've had $200 in. So it will be the $10,000 uh, episode, I guess we can say. So uh, if you've been following along and uh, investing along with me, whatever dollar amount works for you. Uh, yes, we're down a little bit, but I definitely think that a lot of these are going to rally higher. We have certainly uh, had some stocks that uh, definitely brought us on that downward trend more so than others. I'm looking at Shopify, Ford. Uh, yeah, we, I think we bought Tesla at the right spot, but like I said, that one's down 55% on the year. Even Nvidia, that uh, looked like a great stock, great company, has uh, definitely weathered away throughout the year. But um, like I said, we are still beating the S&P 500. We are certainly outperforming some of these main losses in some of these large funds, uh, definitely the, the ARC funds. A lot of those have been doing fairly uh, poorly. I think the, uh, the um, biotech fund for ARC is probably, probably doing the best. I'm not looking at the numbers, but I know a lot of the different biotech companies have had uh, a decent year here. Uh, so I'm kind of going off of that information. But um, yeah, that being said, uh, what do we have for week 50? We've got uh, five different names. That's what we always do here. We try to go through all five and really figure out which ones are going to be a good pick uh, for the year, but also for that investment environment that is out there. Sometimes it's a better week to pick up, uh, you know, say Amazon when it's on sale now, it's probably a better price 
now than what it was at the beginning of the year. So uh, again, it's very difficult to be adding five names every week and not having a lot of repeats. Um, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. I kind of gravitate towards the stocks that I know really well, and that might not fit your investment strategy, but these are ones that I know. And there's certainly ones that um, I really lean on, and there are certainly ones that um, kind of cross my radar that really don't meet what I think we're looking for in the uh, the investment challenge. It really probably not even makes sense to talk about. But uh, so that being said, stocks that I'm still looking to buy, I'm still looking to buy more Amazon, more Google, more Tesla down here. I did get one of my limit orders to buy on Tesla. Still looking at Blackstone, BX, and um, I think a couple others that really kind of crossed my path this week are uh, some different auto um, parts companies that I'm, I'm really kind of had my eye on. And they don't really look to have that much upside, but I think going forward, it could be a steady, slow grower. And looking at the history of their charts, they have kind of been just operating under the radar and, and a nice, nice chart. I'm looking at uh, uh, AutoZone, AZO, and I'm looking at O'Reilly Auto Parts, which is O-R-L-Y. Both of those have uh, some really nice charts, but uh, the upside really isn't there. There's uh, kind of limited there on, let me see if I can't pull this one back up, on where are we? AutoZone, I got to sign back in here because it was on my phone. I think the upside was in the single digits, but let's take a look real quick. So when I'm looking at AutoZone, uh, the PEs, it's about a 21, which doesn't really scare me in this space, especially with uh, kind of going into that recession. I'm thinking that new auto sales might slow. We saw that with Ford's uh, most recent report uh, year over year. It was down a uh, hundred and some thousand vehicles. And AutoZone, yeah, I mean, they're currently at $24.50 a share. That's $2,454 a share. And the average price target is $25.84. So there's only about 5% of upside. So really didn't get me too interested in that. Uh, I do like it long term. I might look for a little bit of a pullback. It, it did have a pullback a few months ago, and I just really haven't been paying attention to it. Like I said, it's a little under the radar as far as what I'm looking at. And uh, flipping over to O'Reilly, another 5.2% upside. So they're very similar in that upside prediction. Uh, I think they're kind of priced with thinking that a recession might happen. Uh, and even if you look back over the summer, uh, O'Reilly, that's trading at 827 right now, they were 585 in the summer. So definitely had a nice run up. Uh, unfortunately, we missed that one. I wish I was looking over the summer, but uh, I, I guess that one just went uh, by the wayside. But um, so those are definitely stocks that I thought, hey, you know, if people aren't going to be buying as many new cars, people are going to be fixing their old cars. Uh, they should have some tailwinds from that, um, you know, kind of trend that's going on in the market. So that's kind of some of the things that I'm looking at right now. But, you know, when I'm looking forward, uh, I guess you could say some of these names from these money managers that we were talking about crossed my mind. Um, you know, Alibaba, I don't really know that uh, I really want to touch that. It's had a massive run here in the past um, couple months. And is it really something that we want to really push on the podcast? Uh, I, I don't think so. It's it's very volatile and uh, it's had a nice run here. Um, let me take a look at the, the one month. 
Uh, it's up 28% in one month. So that is uh, a nice little run that we missed. But when you look at six months, it's still down 7%. So nice little pop, but overall, is it going to keep going? I, I don't want to bet on that right now. I think there's just too much unknowns going on with China to ultimately really recommend that one or really have that in the vote. Um, Tesla, I, like I said, I would have that in here, but we had it um, two weeks ago. So that's uh, that one's kind of difficult. And Amazon, Google, you know, like I said, they've been in here, but uh, a little too recently. Lowe's, uh, that one, that one does intrigue me. I do like Lowe's here, and that could even be on maybe next week. Maybe we'll wrap up out the year with uh, Lowe's. You know, people might not be building houses as much. Lowe's lends itself more to the DIY than Home Depot. Um, so maybe if you're new construction home, I might favor home Depot a little bit more DIY. I tend to favor Lowe's a little bit more. So maybe that could be an option. Uh, so Bill Ackman's, uh, Lowe's that's down 21%. Maybe we add that Rivian. I, I don't want to, I don't even want to throw that one in the mix right now. It's a lot of upside, but it has had a rough run and we're going to have to see if that one's going to survive what's coming up next. So these are the stocks that I've come up with for this week that ultimately uh, made the final five. And um, it's definitely tough. It takes more effort than you would really think. So I would definitely appreciate uh, a share or uh, an invite to the page, anything in that nature. I definitely appreciate it. So the first one, I am going to go with Charlie Munger's, uh, you know, old time favorite, and that is going to be Bank of America. And when I'm looking at Bank of America, I'm looking at a lot of different things out there in the world. I think uh, a lot of that credit risk has been uh, sorted through by now. They know where they needed to get out of some different loans and really kind of cut their ties. So I'm sure that uh, management is really keeping an eye on what they have at stake and ultimately um, trimming down where they need to. Uh, so that being said, and then with the fund, Fed funds rate going up, you know, they're not lending out uh, or they're not giving out any more interest on savings accounts. That's pretty static. But uh, when people come to Bank of America and they need more money from the bank, yeah, they're charging a higher rate. So that credit spread is going to be higher and in the favor of Bank of America. Uh, we definitely had a drop this year from uh, about $48 in January of 22. Now we're sitting at $32. Uh, that PE is sitting at a 10.2. So that's uh, uh, definitely investable on that value front as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's why Charlie and Warren uh, ultimately have these stocks is they are value plays. Uh, they trade off of that book value. And you know when, when people see that these are undervalued versus the book value, they are oftentimes bought. Uh, so when I'm looking at the average price target, we've got a price of uh, $40.23. That shows about 24% of upside from here. So uh, I think the downside is limited. The low is uh, $28 on this price target and the high is $52. So that gives us a 60% upside on the high end, 13% on the low end, average of 24. So that's something that I can feel comfortable recommending, uh, saying this is probably a decent buy. Sure, it could go lower, times could get worse, but ultimately, when people run back to the banks and they need to borrow at a, uh, a higher rate, the banks are going to be making more money. Uh, so that's uh, that's number one. Bank of America, the ticker is BAC. Number two, uh, and there's a lot of chip plays out there. 
But uh, number two this week is going to be Broadcom. And that ticker is AVGO. Now, if you are following along on the group, you would know that uh, Broadcom actually just raised their dividend. I believe they raised it another 12%. Uh, So that is something that uh, shows confidence in the company. It shows that they are able to have that cash on hand to really pay their investors going forward. And uh, it's just a company that has done really well for me uh, over the long term. Their management team has showed time and time again that they can deal well with uh, a lot of different backlogs that they have in supply chain management. A lot of other companies are having a hard time navigating those waters, but Broadcom seems to just have it on lock. So I like the fact that they can handle their uh, the problems that they are going through. They can ultimately raise that dividend. They uh, are trading a bit above their price to sales five-year historic average. Uh, so that is uh, a, a small uh, con to this one. They are trading a little higher there. But uh, when I'm looking at the uh, the PE, the revenue, it looks like those are at a historic discount to their five-year uh, averages. So I'm going to take a look here on Reuters and pull that up. Uh, we'll say that we've got uh, a dividend yield on here. It looks about 3.4% uh, going forward. And then when we are looking at uh, the the buy ratings, we are definitely in that solid buy territory. We've got about 21% of uh, price target increase or upside. Uh, Annual revenue for 24 looks like it is a 10% uh, increase over the current fiscal year. Dividend growth, 13.2%. The net margins, 32%. So pretty hefty net margin down there too. Uh, the price to sales is at a 13% premium. That is one of the downsides that I saw on this one. The trailing PE is sitting at a 23, which is a 38% discount to their five-year average of 37. So you're getting some value there. Uh, the forward PE is sitting at a 13.2, which their five-year average is a 14. So a 6% discount there. Um, so a lot of different things that I like about uh, Broadcom. They have returned money to their shareholders They have been uh, weathering all the different uh, storms that the the market has really thrown at them. And uh, I think that chip space has oversold. So it could be a good time to get into some of these other chip plays that ultimately are going to set us up for that rebound play. Uh, Maybe at the middle to end of 23, I'm really counting on these moving up. Uh, So that's kind of my thought process on Broadcom. Uh, Ticker is AVGO. Now, Going forward, uh, this this one is one of the ones that uh, has been kind of thorn in my side for the year, and that name is PayPal. So the ticker is PYPL, and it is near that uh, yearly low. We had a high of 196 last January. We are sitting at 73.57 uh, at closing on Friday. So definitely a big haircut in this one. The uh, one of the reasons I wanted to add this one compared to some of the other buy now, pay later companies, uh, I think they are more insulated. They're more protected than a name like Affirm, which has had a major, major haircut. And I think they're sitting down somewhere near 11. And that is, you know, I think we're down 80 plus percent on that one in the last year. It has been absolutely brutal for Affirm. Uh, so PayPal in uh, kind of, opposite here of 
uh, a firm is actually making money. Uh, a firm was losing about $6 a share, I believe it was when I uh, checked that out. Uh, PayPal does have positive earnings, EPS of about $1.97 a share. That PE is sitting at a 37.2. Uh, that sounds high, but I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say that uh, that is much lower than where it's been on their five-year average. Let's just scroll down to that. Their, well, their price to sales is a 3.1. The five-year average is an 8.5. So a 63% discount there. Trailing PE, 37. Five-year average is a 57. So 35% discount there. A forward PE of a 16 and the five-year average is a 37. 56% discount. Now, what do you get when you're buying PayPal? You're getting a company that is very fintech based. You're getting exposure to crypto. Uh, they have some options to invest in crypto. Now they are publicly traded. They are monitored by the SEC. So you're not getting any of these fly by night brokerages that uh, are really going to have the amount of fraud that some of these unregulated brokerages have that are based in the Bahamas or wherever else they are. So in my opinion, it's much safer than getting into a Coinbase. You're also getting some of that buy now, pay later, but it's a profitable company. So I think it's a little bit safer than a company like a firm. Uh, you're getting that um, sharing between, uh, you know, friends or, or uh, businesses. So you've got some businesses that are going to be getting uh, money through this. So they're going to have transaction fees on those when a, a person or a customer is paying a business. You're getting a lot of different things in the way of... Uh, you know, discounts to shop somewhere. So if someone gets paid on their PayPal account, now you can take that money and shop somewhere else and uh, really keep that ecosystem going with more money coming in, more money going out, transaction fees, and uh, a lot of different uh, things that they have going in their favor. So I think the growth there is still uh, pretty strong. Let's take a look at that, uh, that forecast. Uh, earnings per share. For 23, does look like it is moving up nicely. I don't have a percentage on that. But uh, 22, we look like uh, earnings per share was coming in right around 3.95, uh, I'll call it. And the average for 23 is looking like about 4.75 on that average. So a nice move up there as well. And uh, 11 analysts have it as a strong buy. 26 buy ratings, 13 hold ratings, no sell or strong sell. And uh, one that has certainly gotten its hair cut over the course of the year. And uh, I thought it was a good value when it got into, you know, sub 150. So anything under uh, 80 is a screaming value to me. But uh, we've got a 44% uh, target upside increase for a average price target of $107 very limited on that downside at 75 so only about two dollars ago on the low end from where we are now and one that i think should do well going forward and like i said it's it's certainly been beat up for this year and uh, i think it's about time that this one gets a, a turnaround story so next up uh we're gonna look at a defense company that uh had a, uh, a solid run beginning of the year, but it kind of fizzled out. Uh, it didn't really run up with some of these other ones. And I think it could still be in that buy territory uh, based on a lot of those different factors. You know, in December of 2020 or 21, we were sitting at 200 bucks. Right now we're sitting at 215. 
So most of these companies, like I said, had come down from that January point. This one has actually gone up a bit, uh, but it had a big run up to 279 in March, uh, right around when the Russia-Ukraine problems were happening. It really ran uh, up nicely, and now it has pulled back. That company is uh, L3 Harris. LHX is the uh, the ticker here. So you're getting a dividend. You're getting uh, exposure into the defense contractors, and uh, they've got a lot of different products that are coming out. They just won an award for their Vampire system, which is basically a uh, cargo bed mounted of a pickup truck that uh, can be deployed into vehicles in Ukraine to help ground combat or ground to air combat as well. And they just got, uh, got an award from uh, Popular Science for that technology. They have a lot of different uh, orders that are on backlog too. So they've got a big order book that is going uh, for them. And ultimately, I think they are a defense contractor that um, this one, it is priced a little expensive at 37, but I, I do think that they have a bright future going forward. Uh, let's take a look here. We've got uh, buy ratings on it. We have a 22% upside for an average price target of 267. What else we got? We've got uh, three strong buys, 10 buys, 11 holds, one sell, no strong sells. And uh, dividend growth, 12%. You're getting uh, the margins are lower on this company right now, which is uh, concerning. It's at 6.7. I would like to have that number be a good amount higher. And hopefully they can do some things that really streamline the business and have those margins come up on the products that they are selling. But 12% um, discount to their five-year price to sales. They are trading at a P uh, premium on their PE to their five-year average, a 31% premium. But their forward PE is at a 4% discount to the five-year average. So a bit of a price break going forward from here. Um, now, uh, number five, we are going to look at one that I might have made it in one of these weeks, but uh, I am not 100% certain as to if this one has made it or not. And that is uh, Chipotle. Uh, the ticker is CMG there. And when I'm looking at Chipotle, I thought, you know, fast casual might be the new uh, fine dining if we're going through a recession. This could be a uh, kind of a guilty pleasure. Uh, I know they really did well with their uh, ordering from stores. They were one of the first adopters to have everything pick up, ready to roll. Uh, their catering business was taken off. And here's another one that is actually trading uh, pretty expensive when we hear the share price. It is at $1,526.26. So definitely high there. But uh, off that yearly high from last December of $1,776. So where are we on the analyst front? What are the analysts saying? And they are rating this one a buy. The five-year return on this, 385%. So that is definitely a nice uh, five-year return. I'd love to have uh, some five-year returns like that. And when I'm looking at the analysts' uh, recommendations here, 30 analysts rank this one uh, that it should be at uh, 1810, which represents about 18.2% higher uh, as a percentage. So we do have increases on their EPS. We've got uh, forecasted annual revenue growth for uh, 23 is 31% higher. So they are forecasting a 31% gain in revenue. 
I don't know that their stock price really reflects that yet. Uh, what else do we got? We've got uh, a 9.6% net margin, which makes more sense for a company like Chipotle versus a company like L3 Harris. We are at an 8% premium on their five-year average for price to sales, 32% discount on their trailing PE, and a 30% discount on their forward PE. So definitely some value there when we're looking at their historic values. So that being said, uh, you guys need to pick which one you want here. Bank of America, Broadcom, PayPal, L3 Harris, or Chipotle Mexican Grill, CMG. And I don't think that we covered week 50 now that I just got through 51. We had uh, five different names on week 50. I'll run through them real quick. NXPI, Semiconductors, MasterCard, Dominion. Baxter International and Metafast. We will be buying more Dominion uh, Energy tomorrow, which is Monday. I'll be adding $200 into that. So we get uh, some dividend. We get some price uh, growth appreciation on that one. And overall, I think a utility is a very strong way to get through a recession and have a lot of safety. So thank you guys for voting for that one. But ultimately, get out there, vote up for week 51. We've only got two of these left. So get your votes in and let's see which one is going to be the winner for week 51. But with that being said, that's all I got for you guys today. So thank you for stopping by and I will catch you in the next one. Take care. As always, thanks for stopping by. Please make sure to like, subscribe by turning on the notification bell and sharing this podcast to help our community grow. Check the links in the description for offers on E-Trade, Binance, and Crypto.com to get your investing journey started. You can also help support the podcast on our Anchor.fm webpage. Until next time, let's get invested and let it grow.